What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? You're listening to This Week in Sports. As always, I'm your host, The Pody. It is Friday, November 18th, 2022. We're almost to break about a less than a week away or so from Thanksgiving, Black Friday, all that good stuff is a week away. Um, so can't wait for that. Thanksgiving is some people's favorite holiday where you can just gorge yourself full of food. Um, but I don't want to get too ahead of myself. We've got an absolutely stacked weekend of sports culminating on Sunday with the start of the World Cup. I don't know if you're too interested in Sunday's first match uh, of the tournament, but uh, I will definitely keep an eye on it. The U.S. plays on Monday at 2 p.m., so mark that on your schedules. These games for the World Cup, for those that are interested, will be on FS1 and Fox, so you could catch those on the uh, those two stations. Um, the Jets after Sunday could could either be in first place headed into the holiday or in last place, depending on whether they win or lose. So very, very exciting stuff. Um, the Eagles lost to Washington. Uh, just it, it's it, it's mayhem. Uh, the college sports landscape is, is unbelievable. The New Jersey Devils. I'm not a big hockey guy. Um, I've talked hockey more and more so in the past few, you know, years or 50 episodes or so, I'd say. Um, and I'm a devil's guy. That's my team. It's always been my team. Like I said, I'm not huge into hockey, but I know where my loyalties lie. I'm not an Islanders fan. I'm not um, a Rangers fan. I was born and raised in New Jersey, so I'm a loyalist to the New Jersey Devils, and they are the hottest team in the sport right now. 11 straight wins after an overtime win last night. Um, so it's just, it's been incredible stuff, uh, exciting stuff. And, you know, college football is crazy again. Um, TCU got the big win over Texas to stay alive, undefeated there. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. College basketball is finally back. We sat, we've had some craziness. I watched Rutgers play Temple earlier today at five o'clock. That was one of the worst games I've ever seen between two Division One teams. I don't even think that qualified as a Division One game. Rutgers, it took them till the final minute, the final minute or two. Uh, yeah, I think it was the final minute to finally hit a three-pointer in the game. They had been like 0 for 12 prior to that. Um, in today's day and age, can't hit a three in a game. It's just unbelievable. Down two starters, uh, but no excuses. They... Rutgers is Rutgers. They're going to grind it out. Um, it's going to be sloppy. They're going to have trouble for scoring. They're going to go stretches without being able to put the ba the ball in the hoop. And they pretty much got lambasted by by a bad like one in one in three Temple team. I believe they were a Temple team that lost to Wagner. Although they do have the nation's leading scorer on the team. Uh but early still. I'm not too worried about it. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. I'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, so yeah, a little bit of a lengthy introduction. And of course, we had last night's Thursday night football game, which I'm a, I'm going to get into um, later on in the show. 
So without further ado, this is episode 192 of This Week in Sports. Let's get it. Let's go. All righty. First up, it's of course like it's been the last handful of episodes. We're starting with college football. Number 25, Washington knocked off number six, Oregon, with a last minute field goal. Um, it wasn't uh, as the clock expired. Oregon did get the ball back. But for the Huskies, it was their first win versus a top 10 team since 2018. And it was the highest ranked team they've beaten since number three, uh, since a, uh, they beat USC, number three USC, way back in 2009 when I was still in high school. Crazy. Uh, number eight, USC, and number two, Ohio State. They handled business, although tra uh, lost some running backs here. Travis Dye, who entered Friday with the second most rushing yards in the Pac-12, will likely miss the rest of the season after a brutal leg injury for USC. And then, of course, on the Ohio State front, they lost Mayan Williams uh, after racking up 147 yards on 15 carries in a blowout win over Indiana, and they were already without Travion Henderson. I'm not too sure uh, um, about uh, Mayan Williams, how bad the injury was. Um, so let me just quickly, uh, let's see. Um, he w I mean, he was carted off, so I would expect him. Uh, actually, Ryan Day said, this is a few days ago. Shocked if their top running backs aren't available. Um, okay, so maybe they will be back. Who knows? Just something to keep an eye on as you head into the weekend. Uh, elsewhere in the Big Ten, we had Illinois' Chase Brown. He came into the, he got hurt too in this game. He had to leave. He came into the weekend as the nation's leading rusher. I don't know if anybody really knew that one, uh, but he, again, exited with a limp after suffering an apparent right leg injury. I think he'll be okay. Illinois would go on to lose this game to Purdue 31-24. They really could have had a stranglehold on that uh, Big Ten West had they won that game, but now they're tied with Minnesota, I believe, and Purdue is right there just a game back. Uh, after winning, this is a great story, after winning four games, four games, in the last three seasons combined, Jim Mora's UConn Huskies turned the tables and became bowl eligible for the first time since 2015 after their upset of number 19 Liberty on Saturday. That's just an unbelievable turnaround. Uh, so congrats to Jim Mora. Congrats to UConn. Unbelievable. Uh, number 24, Kentucky lost to Vanderbilt. Number five, Tennessee, was only up 28-17 at the half, but they steamrolled Missouri. I, in the blink of an eye, I turned away. All of a sudden, they win this one 66-22, 38-7 they outscored Missouri in the second half. Uh, after that awful performance against Georgia, maybe Hendon Hooker isn't out of the Heisman race after all. Keep an eye on that. They could be back in the top four with just one loss from any of these other teams. In just his, uh, so, okay, so, yeah, uh, let's, let's recap a couple of the other games 
from the the college football weekend. Um, let's see. Uh, Ohio State rolled fifty six to fourteen. Talked about that for the most part. Oh, LSU beat Arkansas thirteen to ten. That spread was right around three, three and a half. So um, tough break there if you had LSU at three or three and a half. Notre Dame edged Navy thirty-five to twenty uh, thirty-two. One of the greatest catches I've ever seen. Uh, Lindsey he made a ridiculous catch over the back. Um, uh, Braden Lindsey, it was just ridiculous. If you haven't seen it, go check that out. Uh, just unreal. Clemson bounced back, uh, thirty-one to sixteen. Uh, NC State lost to Boston College 21 to 20. Hard to believe Rutgers beat Boston College and now Boston College is beating the number 16th ranked NC State 7 and 3 team. Unbelievable. Uh Michigan rolled 34 to 3 over Nebraska. Penn State blanked Maryland surprisingly 30 to nothing. Alabama beat Ole Miss 30 to 24. That was a good game. Um I parlayed Clemson and uh Ole Miss spreads here. So I had a uh, Clemson at minus six and a half. I dropped it to minus six and a half. It was seven, played it safe. And then I took uh, Ole Miss plus 11 and a half. And for the most most of this game, they were winning. Uh, they looked like the better team. So that was an easy win for me there. Uh, you had number 22 UCF outlast 17 Tulane, 38-31. Talked about Washington, Oregon. Georgia rolled over Mississippi State 45 to 19. Kansas destroyed Baylor 31 to 3. Kansas State rather um was came into this game underdogs which was a bit of a surprise since they were ranked and Baylor was not. North Carolina, they are 9 and 1, ladies and gentlemen. North Carolina getting no love right now. Mac Brown's squad is playing phenomenally. Uh they edged uh Wake Forest 36 to 34. That's a really good Wake Forest team too. Um, but they are getting no respect. I know Mac Brown has been vocal about that this past week, um, and they could get really screwed out of a out of a you know chance to make the the top four and get into that college football playoff if they were to run this table and win the ACC. Uh, just very shocking that they're ranked they're they're that far down with just one loss. Uh, it's pretty crazy, but they keep winning. Things could fall into place. Um, I talked about TCU, another team on the road. I was all over TCU at plus seven, um, number four ranked team in the country facing a Texas team that doesn't deserve to be ranked. I'm sorry. They are now six and four. Um, I just don't get how they were favored in that game at all. Uh, Florida State, they've had a decent season. Uh, they're now seven and three. They beat Syracuse 38 to three. Utah beat Stanford 42 to 7. No surprise there. Uh, and UCLA lost. This is a bad loss for Chip Kelly's squad. They lost to a uh three and six Arizona team, 34 to 28. So there you have it. That was your recap for week eleven. We've got some good games this week. Um, let's see. You got Michigan and Illinois. That should be an interesting game. Michigan should win this game, but don't count Illinois out just yet. If if Chase Brown can't go, forget it. Uh, TCU Baylor again. That that win streak is on the line. That top ranking. They've still got a big you know twelve title game to get through, but uh, got to run the table. Got to keep winning. Kansas State West Virginia. Uh, Clemson hosting Miami. 
Uh, Ohio State, Maryland. Penn State just blanked Maryland. So Ohio State should have no problem on the road against Maryland. The spread is 27 and a half. Um, eh, they should cover that. You've got number one, Georgia on the road at Kentucky. NC State, Louisville. Uh, Tennessee is at South Carolina. South Carolina is no slouch. They have... They, they, they've been decent this year. They're coming in this game at 6-4. and four. Tennessee there in the fifth spot at 9-1. and one. Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, that's always a fun rivalry. Oklahoma State has been brutal the last couple weeks, though. Um, Arkansas, Ole Miss, USC, and UCLA, that's the big one tomorrow night at 8 on Fox. Uh, USC, again, another one of those one-loss teams right on the bubble there. They need some things to happen to, to try to get in there. Uh, but this should be a fun matchup. Two two top, you know, 20 teams here. You've got LSU, another sneaky team. They got two losses, but they're very highly ranked up there at number six. They've got some good wins. Uh, they're taking on UAB. They should have no problem there. Spreads kind of low, in my opinion, 14 and a half. And then the night cap you've got tomorrow night, 1030 on ESPN, number 12, Oregon. Uh, hosting number 10, Utah, Oregon. Let's see if they could bounce back after uh, that loss last week to Washington. So that's about going to do it. Oh, and then Tulane, uh, number 21, Tulane. They played already. Um, they won, I think they played yesterday, 59-24 over SMU. Okay. So, bit of a mouthful, but let's... Let's jump ship from the football talk and let's get into a stacked UFC 281, which culminated in a doozy. Uh, what a fight. Um, we all know Israel, uh, Adesanya, right? Versus the Brazilian. These Brazilians, they fight, man. Wow. Uh, Alex Pereira. And it was, I mean, Adesanya was dominating most of this fight into the fifth round until it just that's it happens in in you know the flash of a pan right um just that quickly and Pereira basically TKOs him knocks him out uh they they he just started beating on him beating on him hit him you know must knocked him in with, with one punch you know shook him off his feet he kind of fell and then that's when they pounce they smell blood in the water they pounce they keep punching punching and the ref jumps in waves it off fight over um, it was it was a hell of a fight. Take a listen to how it ended. Um, Alex Pereira, your new champion. Pereira's had his most success for the body tonight. Yep, your new undisputed middleweight champion, um, Alex Pereira. And you heard at the end of that clip, he said he did it again. What does that mean? Well, Pereira must have Adesanya's number because here, here's what I'll say about this. This is just his eighth career MMA fight, okay? So these guys know each other very well. They used to kickbox against each other, and... Adesanya left the kickboxing ring and he jumped over to MMA and he became the undisputed, 
I mean, middleweight champion for what, like three years now, he reigned supreme as the middleweight champion did as Israel Adesanya. Well, Pereira is like, wait a second. I used to kickbox against this dude. I beat him twice. I beat him twice in kickboxing. How hard could it be to beat him? If this guy's the champ, I could go be the champ. So he switches over to MMA just eight fights in. And now he's beaten Adesanya three times in two different sports to become the champion. I mean, wow, what a story that is. Uh, for Adesanya, it's like, wow, uh, this is like the dragon you can't slay. This is like unbelievable. Three times now in two different sports, essentially, and you can't beat this guy once. Very interesting. Uh, this won't be the last time these two guys fight, I expect, um, them, them to keep this going. But what a fight it was. Very entertaining. All right, so I talked about this a few weeks ago, the whole thing with Michigan, um, their players against Michigan State getting assaulted. There has been an investigation, or excuse me, um, the investigation w that was partaking, uh, this was from, what was it? I think October 29th, that game. It has now been turned over to the Washtenaw County Prosecutor's Office. Uh, campus police have been investigating the incident. So this this whole thing, like Harbaugh was irate over this. Two Michigan players um, were left with injuries. So this was pretty serious. I didn't realize that they were actually like physically injured. Uh, Michigan implemented changes to its tunnel protocol for this past Saturday's game against Nebraska, including an increased security presence and a buffer between teams leaving the field. Uh, just a whole mess of, of stuff. So it's still under investigation, and um, I'll present more information as it comes along to me. All right. What I said could happen actually happened. Jeff Saturday pulled off the impossible, came in, no college or NFL coaching experience, plucked him out of the... ESPN studios and said, coach the Colts for the rest of the season. And what did he do? He came in, he had the balls. That's right, baby. He came in, he said, wait a minute. Frank Reich said, Matt Ryan's out for the year and he's not my quarterback. We don't stand a chance to win with anybody else, but Matt Ryan. So he reinstates Matt Ryan as his starting quarterback promotes a 30-year-old offensive assistant in Parks Frazier to be offensive coordinator, somebody who is a neophyte, never called uh, the play, never, you know, called the plays. And all they did was go out and beat the Colts 25-20, and Matt Ryan had like a 39-yard rush in this game. It, just incredible, incredible. And I didn't realize that Gus Bradley was still on the staff as defensive coordinator, but they got a stop on a fourth down. Derek Carr threw it to the end zone. Um, Stefan Gilmore batted it down on fourth down and the Colts won the game. So immediately, immediately Jeff Saturday ran over and hugged Gus Bradley, which I thought was really cool. Very interesting. I, I, See, if I Gus Bradley has head coaching experience, so I was a little shook and taken aback when I saw him still on the staff, and I was like, oh, wow. 
like the, the, the disrespect that they didn't promote him to interim head coach. Um, but they embraced each other. It seems like everything is okay, and they won a freaking football game. Jeff Saturday is 1-0 and as a head football coach, and hey, maybe, just maybe, they're on to something here. Former Super Bowl-winning player, played for the Colts center, a lot of respect. He definitely knows how to command a room. He spoke about that. He said he knows how to lead men into war. Like, Ed, you could tell. You could tell he's a... He's like he he's like a Rex Ryan type. He's not the personality where he's gonna you know come to the you know podium uh, interviews wearing wigs and stuff and and imitating his brother and and, and all that stuff. But uh, no, he when he speaks in front of a locker room, he these guys respect him. So really cool moment there. They're facing the Eagles this week, who are coming off a loss. So this could be a tough one. But my God, imagine if he wins this game against the Eagles, they're gonna they're gonna uh you know make him head coach through next season as well. Take that interim tag away, much like the Nets did with Jacques Vaughn. And they're going to want to, uh, the fans are going to clamor for them to build a statue outside of Lucas Oil Stadium for Jeff Saturday, for God's sakes. I mean, wow. So just uh, everything came to fruition. Um, and my God, as for the Raiders, is this not the most disappointing team in the NFL this year? I mean, this is so shocking. Derek Carr was actually crying after the game, crying. I I I mean, it, it it's I don't even know. It, it's so hard to believe. Words can't even express what I mean. From the whole John Gruden situation to Basaccia taking over, they seem to rally around him. They make the playoffs. They won the final three games. They needed to win out to get in. They got in. They trade for Devontae Adams, reunite him with his college teammate and Derek Carr, and they're horrible, horrible. And I saw a, a stat that um, supposedly this is true. So Josh McDaniels, when he was the head coach of the Denver Broncos, his first go as a head coach, they had traded um, Jay Cutler. They brought in Kyle Orton. They were 6-0. and and players on that team were like, we're not this good. How do we keep winning games? McDaniels would tell players when they line up in this formation, you know, do this. You turn around, you'll get an interception. Like, we know what's, we know, we know what's coming. And they knew what was coming because McDaniels learned from, from, you know, the best in Belichick was filming opponents' practices. So they were cheating. That's why they were 6-0. and and they got caught because they were playing San Francisco. They had to share a stadium for um, for that week's game. And they got caught filming the practices. They lost that game to San Francisco, a team they should have beat. And McDaniels was fired the next day. He's got on and he's like, I don't know if it's one in 24, or like seven in 24, some ridiculous like like stat line uh, wins and losses since that time with Denver when he started six and oh as a head coach. Um, he might not just not be a good head coach. I mean, we could, that could be a real realistic. Um, of course he, you know, that their speculation, could he be gone? Um, but Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders said, absolutely not. We're, you know, we live in a world where it's like, what have you done for me lately? But he said, no, uh, he's under contract. He's not going anywhere for next year. And 
but you know, who might be going somewhere. I'm going to go as far as to say he probably will not be on this team next year. Derek Carr. Derek Carr. And I bet you Devontae Adams is sitting here thinking, my goodness, I really wish I was still on the Packers. Yikes. All right, let's get to the game of the week, the game of the year, possibly the game of the century. That would be in Buffalo, Vikings, Bills. I was sitting back watching this game, just praying that the Bills would lose just because Jets are on by. If the Bills were to lose, the Jets would own the tiebreakers in the division, control their own destiny. And I was hoping Miami would lose too because then the Jets would have been in first place having not even played, but Miami won. But anyway, back to this Bills-Vikings game. I was shocked. I, I talked about all last week's episode. I led you guys to believe that Case Keenum was going to be the quarterback because Allen hadn't practiced all week. I guess he got a limited on Friday and he came out and he played and he was fine all game right up until the very end. Um. But, I mean, the Vikings, I, you know, I was watching Red Zone and whatnot, obviously, and they're showing this game back and forth. It's a 10-point game. You know, then it's a one-score game. And then the Vikings got back in it, I believe, when Dalvin Cook, uh, I think it was a runner, pass catch. He took it 50 yards. He housed one. Uh, there was a lot of points being scored fast. Anyway, what the Vikings were found themselves down by four. This is really, this was the game. This was the game. This was the a season-defining moment, you could say, for both of these teams, possibly. We could look back on this at the end of the season and say this is the play that defined both of these teams' seasons. And it was the Vikings needed, basically, they needed a prayer. They were down four, just under two minutes to go. They had one timeout. The game is over. Fourth and 18. If they don't convert this, the game is over. And let me tell you, they converted it. He's back to throw on fourth and 18. He's given time. He wants Jefferson. Climbs the ladder. Oh, my goodness. Justin Jefferson pulled it in. The catch of his life keeps the Vikings' hopes alive. There's no Stephon Diggs, one-handed going up. That has been replaced. Okay, so uh, this is fourth and 18. Kirk throws up a prayer. The defender is just waiting for the ball. He jumps up to grab it with his two hands. Easy interception. Jefferson's in front of him. He friggin' throws up his one hand. They both come down, and Jefferson pulls it right away from him for the one-handed catch. They convert the fourth and 18. It was Epic. It was, uh, they voted on it earlier this week. There were some polls, and this catch was voted as better, a better catch than the Odell Beckham catch, which I can't go that far. I just can't, because uh, that catch was absolutely insane. Uh, I think this one actually was an easier catch to make just because it was straight back and he just. He muscled it from him. I mean, it's just incredible. The Odell catch was like, he, he caught it with his friggin' fingertips for a touchdown. But the, the the ramifications this catch had reverberated through the stadium. It was just unbelievable. 
unbelievable. And the game was not over there. They still had to go down and score. Um, and then they they get down. It's like a third and goal, I believe, with under a minute. Uh, Justin Jefferson catches a pass over the middle. Yes, Justin Jefferson again and reaches and lunges for the end zone as he's being tackled. They rule it a touchdown at first. Upon review, it was overturned. They ended up marking this ball um, at the like half yard line. It wasn't even the one yard line. It was inside that, and it was fourth and goal. So again, the Vikings got to get this in or the game is over, right? So they ended up going quarterback sneak with Kirk Cousins. Cousins to sneak it. Can he break the plane? Is he in? No signal yet. Still waiting. He's Unbelievable. It looked like when I saw it live, it looked like he started off. It was awful. And then he kind of got like pushed and then he fell over the left side and fell down. It looked like he crossed the plane, but they did show the reviews. He was short and again, barely short. But so now you're down four. It's under a minute. You've only got one timeout. The game is essentially over. The Bills just have to get this ball out of the end zone because if they here's the thing. If they take a safety here, which it was very possible to get for the Vikings to get a safety, um, it becomes a two point game. And you know how this 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 world works, the, the NFL with under a minute. If you have even if you don't have any timeouts, we saw the Chiefs a few years ago against these bills. They needed they had 13 seconds and they were able to get a field goal. So uh, this would be a tough spot. You give up the safety. You're only up two now. You have to punt to the Vikings. They have 50 or so seconds, 40 seconds, whatever it is, and they could easily go down and still kick a field goal to now win this game. So the Bills wanted to get this out of the end zone. They didn't want the safety, and they certainly didn't want what happened to happen. With 49 or 46 seconds left, this is what this is what happened. Zero breathing room. He tries to sneak it. The ball is loose. Impossible. Do the Vikings have it? Scramble for the ball. It is a touchdown on their last breath. I mean, can you imagine the emotions of Vikings fans? from the 4th and 18, thinking the game's over, the unbelievable catch, then you go down, you miss the quarterback sneak, you can't get in the end zone, but then the very next play, the Bills fumble the ball. Josh Allen fumbles the ball on the snap, trying to get out of the end zone and avoid the safety, and God, the Bills would have taken a safety, and that, looking back, um, giving up the touchdown, it then became a three-point game, but... There was, like I said, plenty of time on the clock. The Vikings couldn't stop a nosebleed. We're playing such soft coverage. So the Bills went down. They tied it. This one went to overtime. The Vikings won the toss. And they looked pretty crisp. They went down. They had a chance to win it, but they stalled. They do end up kicking a field goal to take the lead. The Bills then get the ball back. And they were moving the first two plays. I was like, oh, no, they're going to go win this now. Josh Allen runs it for like 30 plus yards on the first two plays. They get right down inside the 20 or so right into easy field goal range when for the third straight week, Josh Allen does this. 
Second and ten. Allen steps up and throws. An interception! Patrick Peterson! And in this heavyweight bout, the Vikings with the knockout blow! Listen, I don't know what's going on, but earlier in Josh Allen's career, he was like flawless in the red zone, had thrown like none or one interception in his first few years in the league in the red zone, like just ridiculously good. The last three games have been abysmal. He's throwing interceptions left and right. <laughs> Excuse me. And just in the last two games alone, Allen has thrown for one touchdown and four interceptions, three of which were in the red zone, three interceptions in the red zone, and the Bills are 0-2, and, and now in third place in the AFC East. Wow. But listen, I'm going to tell you something right now. Uh, the Bills are very lucky because we don't, I mean, we don't know the extent of Josh Allen. Like, is he sore after playing in that game because he was dealing with the UCL injury? He seemed to look okay throwing the ball. That interception was a double clutch and he threw it late over the middle. These are like, you know, simple mistakes that you can clean up. Um, But their game this week against the Cleveland Browns, that is a game they should bounce back and they should win. And they got some really good news. Buffalo's being pounded with like five, six feet of snow. So they moved this game to the nice, cushy dome, temperature controlled dome that is Detroit, because Detroit's here in MetLife uh, to face the Giants this week. So they moved that game to Detroit. And that should bode well for for Josh Allen, for his arm. They should get back on track. I think this is a pretty big spread. But, uh, yeah, uh, give me Buffalo all day in that game. Just unbelievable, though, the, the mayhem that, that's gone on in this season. Uh, let's catch you up around the league. The Niners rebounded to beat the Chargers 22-16. to This was stunning. Uh, I'm not going to lie. This is was absolutely stunning. Not the fact that they won. The fact that running back Elijah Mitchell who was their number one running back all of last season, um, he was activated off IR and he outrushed, he outtouched Christian McCaffrey. He had more rushing attempts, 18 to 14. He was way more effective rushing for 89 yards compared to McCaffrey's 38. But McCaffrey did... Uh, they did give him the ball. He ran it in for a touchdown, and he also had four receptions for 39 years, uh, 39 yards. But this is really uh, something to monitor going forward. Is this really going to be a, a committee? I mean, I can't imagine Elijah Mitchell continues to get more carries. I mean, he he looked great. And don't get me wrong. He's on my fantasy team. I've stashed him all year, got screwed when they traded for McCaffrey. I don't think they really needed him because Mitchell is very, very good. And it showed he, he didn't have any rust. Um, and guys, I got to say it. Um, I think the 49ers are the best team in the NFC. I've seen enough of the Eagles. They're one of those teams that they're good, but they run a I don't want to say it's a gimmicky offense because that's offensive. It's not gimmicky by any sense of the of the word it's a lot of rpo run heavy style um but if you stop that and you're forcing jalen hurts to really throw the ball you you can stop them i believe so i don't put them up there as that as that top you know uh i don't think they're they're as highly vaunted as they should be now that they have that one loss 
Uh, but yeah, I, I really think the 49ers, I mean, look what they did last year. Jimmy G gets no love. They didn't want to really bring him back. And now he's the starter and he's just doing Jimmy G things. They're right there. They're going to win the, they're going to win the AFC West. They're a game back. They're five and four, uh, you know, Seattle's six and four. I, I don't, I don't think Seattle can, can, can hold them off. I, they just have the experience um, and they're getting healthier and healthier. So uh, they're, they're going to be good. Um. As for the Chargers, right? This team is also five and four. And yeah, they're dealing with injuries to Keenan Allen, to Mike Williams, et cetera, et cetera. As far as I'm concerned, this is a, a terrible team. Staley, their coach, has got to go. He is ruining Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert, as far as I'm concerned, has taken a colossal step back this year. Colossal. I drafted this guy in fantasy in the third round expecting MVP type numbers. Let me let me give you the MVP type numbers. Three touchdowns. He has not thrown for three touchdowns in a game since week two. And he's only thrown for two touchdowns twice since that period. So he if you're counting four games only four games he's thrown for multiple touchdowns. I don't know how they're five and four, but this is a real concern. They're playing Kansas City this week. Kansas City doesn't boast a great defense. Uh, they've uh, under Staley, I believe they haven't lost to the Chiefs by more than six. So this should be a close, high-scoring game. They should get at least Keenan Allen back. I'm hearing Mike Williams might be back as well. So let's see. Prove me wrong. This should be the game that, if anything, Justin Herbert finally goes out and throws for two, three, four touchdowns. I want to see three touchdowns. How have you not thrown for three touchdowns in a game since week three? And you're supposed to be uh, this good, great player? It's ridiculous. I'm so disgusted by, by, by fantasy and by Herbert this year. It's awful. All right, let's recap the first game ever in Germany. Tom Brady gets the win, 21-16. to I said Seahawks plus three but proves why the NFL's rigged to this year. The Lions beat the Bears 31 to 30 as good as Justin Fields has been rushing for 150 yards every week it seems like they seem to have somehow unlocked something in Justin Her uh in Justin Fields but throwing the ball not so much he threw a horrible pick six that helped the Lions win this one 31-30. And yes, that is a winning streak, Lions fans. Two in a row. They're a hot pick coming into Jersey. Uh, a lot of people think the Giants won't be able to, uh, you know, stand tall with that great offense. I, I will call it what it is. It's a pretty great offense. The Lions put up a crap ton of points. And the Giants, um, you know, you're they're throwing new no-name receivers in Sills. And yes, Slayton, we know. And guys like Cager that nobody's ever heard of. Like, just incredible, incredible stuff. So, yeah, Lions two in a row. Uh, the Titans uh, beat the Broncos 17-10. to 10. Another one I was wrong on. I really thought the Broncos would bounce back after the bye week. But I'm hearing today that Russell Wilson's just in his own little world. He's calling audibles from his Seahawk days that nobody on the team even knows about. I swear to God, that's what they said on the radio today. Just what is going on? Then I see, uh, you know, on Peyton's places, you know, he he's there in Colorado. They're taking batting practice. I That was probably from a while ago, but it's like, get your priorities in order. It's a bad look. You look terrible. Um, yeah, Broncos are just 
wow, that, that AFC West, what a fraudulent division. Everyone thought it was going to be the best in the NFL, and it's one of the worst, minus the Chiefs. Okay, the speaking of the Chiefs, uh, they beat the Jags, outlasted them 27-17. to Kadarius Toney getting his first touchdown ever in the NFL. The Dolphins beat the Browns 39-17. to They might have the most explosive offense in the NFL, and they worry me, uh, being that I'm a Jets fan. We still have to face them one more time. The Giants outlasted the Texans 24-16. to Saquon Barkley ran the ball 35 times. The Steelers, I called this one. They bounced. Uh, they had a nice win, you know, bouncing back after the bye. Neither of these teams is very good. The Saints, very disappointing this year. Jameis Winston hasn't played. Michael Thomas hasn't played all year. Um, just awful. So Steelers get this win 20 to 10. Uh, the surprising one here, the Cowboys drop a tough game in overtime, 31-28 to the Packers. Mike McCarthy losing to his old team, just a bad way to go down. The Cowboys kind of needed that win um, to have any chance at the division. Things could still happen, but it's a bad loss. Um, in overtime, McCarthy was irate. They went for it on a fourth down. I don't know why. They should have kicked the field goal. I know if they miss it, Rodgers is in prime position to go down and win the game, but that could have happened regardless. Um, and on the third down play, there was clear interference on C.D. Lamb that was not called. They don't get the fourth down, and after the fourth down play, McCarthy throws his headset, cursing out the refs. Craziness. And the Packers won the game. Uh, the Cardinals outlasted the Rams 27-17. to this one was all about the battle of backup quarterbacks as Colt McCoy was in for the uh, injured Kyler Murray and John Wofford was in for Stafford. I kept seeing this guy Wofford. Um, he was wearing number 13 and I just kept thinking it was Kurt Warner like subconsciously, even though it clearly he was much short. He, he's much shorter and God, was he bad. Um, I don't know if you want to blame him for the Cooper Cup injury. He already was, you know, dealing with an ankle issue coming into this game. Um, but he catches three passes in this game from negative one yard and he's now headed to the IR because he hurt his ankle on that third catch and he will likely miss the rest of the year. Rough, rough, rough season for the defending Super Bowl champs. Their, se their season is really over. They have no chance to make the playoffs as far as I know. Um, they would have to go on some miraculous run to get to like nine and seven. Yikes. Uh, and then quick note, Kyler Murray and Stafford should both be back this week. The Washington Commanders, I prefaced this at the beginning of the show, beat the Eagles 32-31. to I think it's safe to say now that this is Taylor Heineke's team. Um, he's just been unbelievable. Washington's sneaky. They are now sitting at 5-5. Five and five. Very impressive. They should get Chase Young back this week. Um, I think they're playing the Texans. They should win that game. Very interesting uh, group. Um, but the Eagles, man, unbeaten no more. The The big thing in this one was Washington uh, was on the field for, ran. they ran 80, a whopping 81 plays to Philadelphia's just 47 plays. And the reason that was is because they pounded, pounded, pounded the rock and they really exposed a true weakness for Philadelphia. Um, since Jordan Davis went out at the D-tackle spot, this is a clear issue for them. 
um, and the story of this game, they lost this game by one point because of the turnovers. The Eagles turned it over four times. They also, now that they lost Jordan Davis to IR a few weeks, a couple weeks ago, they unfortunately, Dallas Goddard, um, they missed a face mask call on this play and they, they, Dallas Goddard fumbled the ball, landed on his shoulder. He is now headed to the IR. Um, that's a big loss. And like I said, with the Rundy so bad and the Eagles looking as vulnerable as they did after this loss, they made a pair of moves, bringing in two veteran, veterans um, on that defensive line in Linvale Joseph and in Damakong Sue, um, who's, yeah, he's got a great reputation. So the vaunted Eagles are now just one game up on the Giants and the cracks are beginning to show, baby. So, yeah, should be a fun rest of the year. Okay, um, got to talk about this situation that happened late Sunday night at the University of Virginia. Tragedy struck as three Virginia football players, wide receivers Devin Chandler and Lavelle Davis and linebacker Deshaun Perry were all killed in a shooting on campus. This shooting actually occurred on a bus, I believe. Um, the culprit, a former walk-on football player who, after fleeing the scene and it seemed like was on the run, they were in this total shelter-in-place lockdown around campus. They, they canceled classes Monday. They finally captured this guy. So the incident occurred. Here's what I know. There was a class bus trip, probably, you know, one of those easy elective type classes that they took. A lot of the football players probably take it. And there was a, a bus trip to DC for a play. Okay. Uh, could have been a theater appreci appreciation or something. Cause I took that class when, you know, to, there was a trip to New York to go see a play. Um, I didn't go to it. Didn't need to. Um, anyway, the point being they went on this trip on their way back. I guess they, they get back. They're still on the bus. I don't know what, what goes on, but this kid pulls out the gun, shoots these guys. Um, it seemed like it was premeditated. I don't know why, as a college student, you would go on a class trip to D.C. and bring a gun with you, right? So it seems like this was something that he thought about. Um, I'm interested to see what comes out of this. There were three players were killed and two other people were shot. I believe one was a female student. She was fine. She was like discharged that night. And then you had running back Mike Hollins, who was actually shot, I believe twice. And he was sort of the, the hero of this situation. He was on pretty much life support. He was in critical condition on a ventilator. Thankfully, thankfully, he has since pulled through and is awake and he is supposedly going to make a, a full recovery. Um, he was the one screaming at people to get off the bus. And then apparently he went back and tried to stop it. And he got shot in the stomach and then he was running away towards the parking garage. But then he realized that might be a bad idea because he might not be found. So then he came back and apparent, I think it was one of the students that was with him, uh, who was a pre-med student stayed to kind of, you know, aid in his aid him. And they then got him to the hospital and everything. And, just the whole situation and his mother was did an interview with ESPN and she told she she told us that um you know when he woke up he was just asking for his one you know his one buddy on the team who was pretty much his best friend um and, and you know the room went silent when he asked about him and then the sister basically had to tell him that 
you know, the guy didn't make it. Just a tragic, tragic, tragic story. Uh, we don't know the, you know, the what what transpired, what led to this. I really hope it wasn't some sort of like bullying incident, um, or they weren't harassing this guy, you know, for not being on the team anymore, or being a flame out, or you know, making fun of him for being a quitter, or whatever the situation may be. He was a walk on. He was on the team for one year as a freshman, I believe, and that was it. So we really. There, there are no details, but it's just a very, very sad state of events. They were supposed to play Coastal Carolina tomorrow. There's talks of canceling the rest of the season, which I would not blame them for doing that. One player, okay, you, you move on. Two players, that's tough. Three players and a fourth one shot, um, that is a hard pill to swallow. It, it's you know, I have no blame and I have no problem if they were to shut down the program the rest of the year because they need to take time to mourn and to and to heal and, and to to really process what the hell just happened. Um, but I I want to find out as well, as I'm sure you guys do, too, like what caused this to happen? This doesn't just happen um, out of nowhere. You know, this isn't take off um, the rapper. Um, at a Halloween party playing dice and there's a disagreement and the guy pulls out a gun and shoots him in the head. Like something, there was something more here. There had to have been, had to have been. Um, RIP to all those that, that passed, of course, um, those three players that I spoke about, um, Devin Chandler, Lavelle Davis, Deshaun Perry. Uh, one of these players, I want to say it was Devin Chandler, which this is just, I mean, talk about, when it's your time, it's your time. This kid was a transfer, transferred in this year from University of Wisconsin. Imagine if he would have just stayed at Wisconsin, he would be alive right now. God works in mysterious ways, man. But three guys, three, three young men taken way too soon. R.I.P. All right, let's talk a little college basketball. It's been crazy, you know, early goings in the season. Probably most of you aren't really following or paying attention, but that's what I'm here for. Uh, Michigan State played Gonzaga, remember, was that last week, week and a half ago. They played on a freaking um, aircraft, right? A naval aircraft um, carrier. It was insane. Outdoor game. Gonzaga just outlasted Michigan State, but Michigan State put, the, put everybody on notice a little bit. Um, well, they played Kentucky a couple days ago, Number four, Kentucky, you know, reigning player of the year and Oscar Shibway, you know, controversial that he came back, got that $2 million NIL deal, whatever it was, um, to stay at Kentucky. And Michigan State outlasted Kentucky in overtime. Michigan State is a good freaking program. We know what they're capable of. Tom Izzo, multiple Final Fours, et cetera, et cetera. This Michigan State team should be ranked. I'm sorry. Um, they really should be. So, yeah, Michigan State outlasting Kentucky in overtime. Uh, we had John Shire and Duke losing in his debut post-Coach K. Um, it's going to be some growing pains there a little bit, but they lost to uh, Kansas 69-64. to And how about this one? I mean, nobody wants to be Kenny Payne, first-year Louisville head coach. He has dropped all three games this year. I believe they're playing tomorrow, today or tomorrow. Uh, looking to get to their get their first win. They're now 0-3, okay? Still searching for his first win. But guess what? Each of these first three games of the year, 
they lost by one point. Oh, my God. One point. I mean, I can't believe that. Um, they lost to, here's the teams they lost to, Bellarmine, 67 to 66. Uh, never heard of that college in my life. It's, I'm told it's in Louisville. I just looked it up. Um, it's the top Catholic college in Kentucky. It's located in Louisville, Kentucky, which is even more baffling because Louisville is in Louisville. So Louisville lost to another college in Louisville. I mean, that is staggering. That's number loss number one. If it doesn't, it, it can't get much worse than that. And then they lose to Wright State 73-72. I mean, these are not good teams. These are not premier D1 teams. And to cap it all off, they lost 61-60 to against App State. My goodness. Uh, let me just double check. I really am curious who they're playing uh, next. I want to say, I looked this up earlier. Okay, here we go. They will play. Here we go. Uh, yeah, so they're not playing today. It is tomorrow. Oh, no. Okay. Wait a second. Hold on. Hold on. We're talking Louisville here, right? Uh, where is Louisville at? Oh, come on. Louisville, Louisville, Louisville. Let me just look this up. Give me a second, people. This is really... Um, got me curious now. Okay. All right. Um, oh, come on. Give me the schedule, damn it. All right, here we go. As this loads up, I spelled Louisville wrong when I typed it into Google, but I'm trying to multitask. So let's see. Schedule. Give me the schedule. Why are always these these college uh, websites always a joke? Okay, Louisville. They will play Arkansas. Oh, they're not playing till Monday. Okay, that's right. I've been looking up a lot of different teams, so forgive me. Um, yeah, they are playing in Hawaii, Hawaii, um, Monday at five p.m. on ESPN two against Arkansas. They couldn't beat that low competition. Good luck beating Arkansas and Eric Musselman. Um, wow, that's in the uh, Maui gym. Uh, that's in the uh, Maui gym uh, invitational there. So, uh, huh. see if Louisville can get that first win or not. But wow, yeah, just un incredible uh, stat or start to their season. All right, let's talk a little bit of MLB free agency. I won't hold you guys up for that much longer. Thankfully, uh, the Yankees re-signed Anthony Rizzo to a two-year $40 million deal. There was some talks that that was one of the top targets the Astros were looking at uh, to possibly replace Yuli Gurriel at first base. Uh, that was a scary thought if that were to be the case. So the Yankees swooped in. It was a two-year $40 million deal, so that's good there. Still waiting on Judge, of course. Uh, the Angels signed Tyler Anderson to a three-year deal after his breakout season with the Crosstown uh, rival Dodgers. I don't think he's that good, but okay, the Angels actually shelled out money for a starting pitcher. Shocker. The Angels also just today, I believe, acquired Gio Urshela via trade with the Minnesota um, Twins. 
The Blue Jays also made a trade. They traded away Teoscar Hernandez to the Mariners yesterday. Hernandez, of course, has been a stalwart in the middle of that lineup, hitting 57 home runs over the past two seasons. And he adds much-needed depth to a Seattle team that's really ready to compete. Uh, I don't know what Toronto's doing, maybe going in a different direction. They're trying to really um, ride this thing out with the youngins. The Mariners were not done trading. They traded away former Rookie of the Year, 2020 Rookie of the Year, Kyle Lewis, to the Diamondbacks in exchange for Cooper Hummel. Not really sure who that is, but Kyle Lewis, um, he you know was a Rookie of the Year in the COVID-shortened 2020 season. I think he's 27 or, or so now. Um, he hasn't really panned out. He's missed the better part of the last two years um, due to injuries, so he wasn't really in their future plans. Congratulations goes out to Terry Francona in the American League and Buck Showalter in the National League. They are your uh, Manager of the Year winners. Uh, Buck Showalter has now won this award four times with four different teams. Very, very impressive there. And Terry Francona took the Cleveland Guardians, as they're called now, to the playoffs, to a, a five-game first-round series with the Yankees. Um, and he had the youngest team in baseball. They weren't expected to do much. The year prior, I believe, um, Francona missed a lot of time with some health issues. Um, there was concern that he would hang it up after this year, but he's actually coming back for another year. Uh, you had your uh, Cy Young Award winners in the NL. It was Sandy Alcantara and Justin Verlander in the American League. Verlander won this award now for the third time at the age of 39, but he's absolutely crazy to try and command a three-year deal in the vicinity of what Max Scherzer got. He wants a Max Scherzer deal. Max Scherzer was three years younger than Verlander, and if you look, the numbers don't lie. Scherzer wasn't that great this year, fizzled off late in the year, and the Mets got bounced early, so very surprising. Um, in terms of Alcantara, I don't know if it's Alcantara. Michael K calls him Alcantara. I don't know how it could be Alcantara when it's T-A-R-A, -A, like Tara or Tara. So I'm going to continue to call him Alcantara because that's the way his name is spelled. Um, so uh, mostly unknown guy. You probably don't know him for the average consumer, baseball consumer, but he plays for the Marlins. He's the first Marlin to win a Cy Young, but you better get to know him because he's going to be around for a while. He, he He's a right-handed pitcher. He threw six complete games this year, which I believe was more than every team in baseball, and he won the award unanimously, receiving all 30 first-place votes. Incredible stuff there. As for your MVPs, those were announced yesterday in the American League. No shocker there it was Aaron Judge. I want to say he got 28 of 30 votes. I think two votes went to Otani, and then Goldschmidt won it, although it was much closer uh, in the NL. Uh, Goldschmidt wins MVP for the Cardinals. Two great seasons by these two guys. Okay, switch. let's switch it on over to the basketball front. Here we go. Let's talk Warriors. I could talk all day about the Nets because they're a circus in and of themselves, but they might not be the circus that the Warriors are right now. The Warriors are 6-9. and nine. The Nets have a better record than that. The Nets won last night. Oh, thank you, Royce O'Neal. Tipped that ball in with 0.7 seconds left to go, and the Nets beat the Trailblazers. This is a tough road trip for the Nets, but guess what? Good news. 
Kyrie Irving will be back on Sunday. Let's go. Just in time. As soon as the Nets hit that um 500 mark, they could finally, I'll feel good about myself, and they could finally start to climb out of this thing. Of course, this week, Kevin Durant made some comments um, about his decision to ask for a trade, and then he's making comments about how bad the team is because he, you know, guys that are in the starting lineup are not good players, all this stuff. I don't buy any of it. I just, what, Kevin Durant's the best player on the planet. He goes out there each and every day. He's averaging 30 plus. He's doing his thing and he's willed this team to some wins and they're starting to get there, okay? Despite everything that's gone on, they'll get Kyrie Irving back. Ben Simmons played his best game of the year. 15 points, 13 rebounds, seven assists. Finally, I mean, we heard the players had a players-only meeting to talk about Ben Simmons specifically because he's been so friggin' garbage. Um, and then he comes out with 15, 13, 7. So it's looking bright. But for the Warriors, on the other hand, don't know what's going on. They're one of the worst defensive teams in the league. Clay is a shell of himself. There's video the other night against when Steph is putting up 51 points or 50 points, whatever it was. You've got... Um, Steph getting a stop and a rebound, and he kicks it out in transition to Klay Thompson. They're running up the court. They haven't gotten, you know, nobody's under the basket really to rebound. He kind of fakes a pass to the right corner. His feet are kind of not under him well, and then he kind of shoots it, hesitates and shoots it like flat-footed with a defender in his face, and he misses, and Draymond Green, you could tell, is frustrated. He's starting to, uh, you know... The, the, these Draymond Green, his teammates are starting to grow uh, weary of him and they're starting to lose, you know, lose a little faith in Clay Thompson. And Clay continues to, to uh, you know, he's going on interviews. He's talking to Chris Haynes, I believe it was. And he thinks he's getting disrespected with the, you know, NBA, yeah, all 75, you know, top players or whatever. He was snubbed from that list. He had two major, major injuries. He's not the same player he once was. Yes, he helped them win a uh, championship last year, but he doesn't look good. I think it's time to pass the torch to Jordan Poole because Jordan Poole coming off, coming off the bench had three points in that game. And his um, the splits when he starts versus coming off the bench are staggering. And it makes sense because, yeah, you have Steph Curry commanding a double teams and triple teams, and there's more opportunities for Jordan Poole, and he's been more consistent than Clay Thompson has been. Uh, but that's not even the, the the least of it. Um, you have this Clay Thompson stuff, but now you have James Wiseman, your former number two overall pick in the 2020 NBA draft, who was just sent down to the G League on Monday. The Warriors sent him down to the G League. This could spell the end for James Wiseman. Um, I don't know what's going on here, but I will say this. When he screwed Penny Hardaway at Memphis and then just basically quit on the team so we could get ready for the draft and, you know, he was hurt and everything, I knew this guy was going to be a diva. And I don't believe he's he, he's he's really that good. Um, these big men, they go one of two ways. They could be very lazy um, and then they could be extremely hardworking studs in this league. And a lot of times they go the other way and it looks like Wiseman has gone that way and he's not buying in and he's often injured because I think he's out of shape and he's not going to last too long in this league. Another team will, 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 will pick him up. There will be a bidding war on him and whatnot, but uh, I don't know if it's just, he needs a change of scenery or what, but I'm not buying into it. 
So this Warriors team is playing right now, actually, against the Knicks. Um, they better not lose to the Knicks, my God. Uh, in other NBA news, you better get to know Shea Gilgis Alexander, or SGA as he's known. My man is on fire. I, I mean, a stud. Just because he plays for OKC doesn't mean you should not respect this man and know who he is. He has scored 33 or more points in 11 of 15 games this season and is a top five player in the league right oh now. Oh, my God. That is right. Just been incredible what this man has done. Incredible. And, okay, uh, the play of the week. Maybe the dunk of the year. I don't know how effective this is going to be just hearing it. Uh, you can tell by the reaction of the announcers. Please go watch this. Type into Twitter, Trevin Brazil, B-R-A-Z-I-L-E, with the dunk of the year. This coming against South the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. I mean, I feel sorry for this guy, this big dude that got dunked on, posterized. Oh, God, this was special. Children are watching, man. Children are watching. Save the children. children Look out below. Are, watching. They gotta... are you kidding me? Hey, stop showing that. Stop showing that. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> we got kids. Yeah, that, I mean, it was incredibly impressive. I mean, he just reared back and absolutely yammed on this dude. It was that freaking impressive. So go check it out. All right, let's talk some Thursday night football. Again, another one you guys don't know because obviously I didn't have a podcast where I talked about this, but we had Packers hosting the Titans. Now, coming in, this is a little weird. It's like, why are the Packers favored by three? But then when you think about last week, building some momentum, uh, Tannehill in the cold, Yes, they're going to have to run the ball, but if they could stop Derrick Henry, they could force them to throw the ball. And for the most part, they did stop Derrick Henry. He had like 80-something rushing yards, but his his uh, rushes per carry was like, uh, his average was like, it was like in Joe Mixon territory in the twos. It was low because he ran it so many times for such little amount of yards. Um, but the, the decider in this one was really that Tennessee defense. I mean, they held the pack to just 2.9 yards per rush and pretty much shut down, which, again, like I said, the Packers pretty much did the same thing to Derrick Henry. Um, but Ryan Tannehill was unbelievable. Uh, Rodgers really couldn't do anything. He looked like the Rodgers we've seen most of the year, which is not good. Uh, but Ryan Tannehill outplayed him by a lot. He was phenomenal, nearly perfect in this game. 22 of 27, 333 yards. It's not often you hear about Ryan Tannehill throwing for 300 yards in this offense. 81.5% completion. I mean, what? Ridiculous. And a 127.3 QBR. Just, he did make one mistake. He threw an interception late, uh, but threw two touchdowns as well. Meanwhile, Derrick Henry, like I said, ran for 87 yards. He punched one in, um, and he also threw a touchdown pass in this game. Actually threw, completed two passes, one for a touchdown. The Titans somehow are 7-3 and three and two and a half games up on anyone in the AFC South. Remember when they started the year 0-2? Lost to the Giants in week one. 
I mean, wowzer. Uh, I still don't think they're that great of a team. I'm not scared of the Titans by any means. They were the number one seed in the AFC last year. And then Ryan Tannehill showed his true colors against the Bengals in the playoffs. So I'm not too worried about them, but they're a team to watch out for. They've got the AFC South pretty much on lock. Um, as for the Packers, this loss drops them to four and seven. That's now five games behind the Vikings. They dropped a 10th in the NFC standings, which that's not looking good. I think, what do you need? Five, six, or seven to uh, get in um, to the playoffs. So yeah, not looking good for the for the Packers. Their season's probably over. Uh, but the lone bright spot is this kid, Christian Watson, is definitely a player. He scored three touchdowns last week against the Cowboys and now two more on like four receptions in this game last night. Uh, that's pretty impressive. All right. Um, World Cup starts Sunday. I talked about it already. Um, I'm going to give you a preview. So Brazil is the favorite. Brazil at plus three. Now, these these odds, they're, I've checked multiple sports books. They're changing constantly, and they're, they vary from sports book to sports book. So keep an eye on that if you're planning on betting um, because some of these numbers, they're big numbers, and plus 1,000 versus plus 1,200 or plus 13,000 or 13, or 13, versus plus 15,000 can make a big difference. So Brazil is anywhere from plus 300 to plus like 350. But they're the favorite. That's the main thing to know. Followed by Argentina, that's plus 550. France, plus 700. Um, Spain, plus 800. England, plus 800. Germany, plus 1,200. And the U.S. is at plus 15,000. Okay, so I put 10 bucks already on USA. Just why not? Um, it's the World Cup. Anything could happen. Um that uh, 10 bucks could win me 1500 but the team that I put my money on, my most money on, um, I like Germany this year, okay? And I'll tell you why in just a second. Um, I want to pause that for a second. The teams with the longest odds or the worst odds would be Costa Rica, Iran, Tunisia, Saudi Arabia, and Australia. They're at plus 55,000. I saw in an article it was plus like 80,000. Uh, so yeah, like I said, it's, you know, all over the place. So here's why I like Germany. If you remember back to 2018, Germany didn't make it out of the group stages. Not only that, they finished dead last in their group. And yeah, they're in a stacked group this time. Um, but if they should get, should they get out of this group, which I think they will, cause they're on a revenge tour. I really like me some Germany at plus twelve hundred. So I've got like uh I've got like almost forty bucks on them to win like four hundred fifty or so dollars. Um and if you remember back to the last World Cup four years ago, that was when sports books were just opening up. I actually went to the metal uh to um to 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 the um uh to the racetrack, Mammoth racetrack, thank you. Uh couldn't think of it for a second, and I placed a a wager on France to win the World Cup, and cha-ching, France won. Now, I'm seeing a lot of people still picking France at plus 700, and I'll tell you why I'm not, because they lost a key piece that will not be competing or not able to play due to injury, and that's Didier Drogba. So he's out for this World Cup. He was a huge piece um, in their 2018 World Cup run 
to vic- to that win- victory. They were the youngest team in the field, I believe, at that in 2018, though. So they still have a good shot, but I wanted something with a little better odds this year. And I'm always, I've always been a Germany guy for whatever reason. I've always, um, when I played, F- I used to play FIFA against my brother. I just would always gravitate towards Germany. I liked, um, I liked you know, a bunch of those guys that were on that team. So, and this year they've got this 17 year old stud in, in, in Yusufa um, Mukoko. However, I'm not sure how to pronounce that name, but he's a 17 year old absolute stud. So keep an eye out for him. He might not play a whole lot, but when he's on that, uh, you know, on the pitch, uh, just watch out. Um, but I, I'm super excited for this. And like I said, I'm sure you can tell how excited I am about this. Uh, you know, U.S. plays Monday at two o'clock. I get out of work at three o'clock. We have a t- big TV in the office. It will be going on that TV. I will be watching this um, all, you know, all throughout the day while I'm working. And, uh, you know, it's just going to be super fun. Some of these matches are at like 5 a.m. Luckily, not the U.S., but like, you know, they're on throughout the day. I love when, you know, every, it's only every four years. Like, come on, guys, like get behind this. U.S. has a chance to do something here. Like, let's pray they could get to the knockout stages. But yeah, that's my World Cup preview. Uh, it is an action-packed sports weekend. It's an action-packed football weekend between the actual American football and the world football uh, being soccer. But you've got college football. You've got NFL. You've got NBA. You've got NHL. You've got World Cup and so much more. It doesn't get better than this. Of course, right as we are hitting that frigid, brutal cold weather that you just just you want to curl up in, under a blanket in bed and just watch TV right so um i'm down for it i can't wait um here we go so some games to keep an eye on this weekend chiefs at chargers that's your sunday night game talked about that staley hasn't lost by more than 6 against the chiefs knows how to play them pretty well surprisingly you've got cowboys at vikings that's a four o'clock game Number seven, USC at 16, UCLA. That's at 8 p.m. tomorrow on Fox. You've got Qatar versus Ecuador. That's game one kicking off the World Cup. That's on FS1 at 11 a.m. Sunday. So there you go. It's before all of the um, NFL games, the one o'clock games. So that is awesome. you got my Jets coming off a bye at New England. Um, I absolutely love the Jets in this spot. I think this is a huge revenge game for not only Zach Wilson, but for the Jets in general. Go out, win this game, and you are in first place in the division. Lose the game, and you're in last place. That would be absolutely devastating as a Jets fan. Uh, The Jets are right now three, three and a half point underdogs. The money line is looking juicy. Um, at plus like 140, 145. I absolutely love it. I will probably be taking the Jets in this game. I haven't really bet on the Jets all season, but I think this is a spot where I'm going to bet on them as an underdog for sure. And I think they're like five and one in their last six in terms of covering um, and overall as well. A um, couple other games of note that I think are intriguing bets, uh, games to bet on uh, would be the of course you know that cowboys vikings game is going to get a ton of eyeballs on it um chief chargers it could be high scoring i love me some 49ers i think i just talked about this earlier i think 49ers are the team to beat they're getting hot at the right time and i think they are going to beat a 
mediocre at best Cardinals team. Kyler Murray, he's coming back off injury. How limited will he be? Uh, these rushers off the edge, Bosa, et cetera, I think will cause him difficulty. And I like the 49ers. This is an eight-point spread. I don't care. I know it's a divisional game. It could be closer than that. But the Cardinals' record at home this year is abysmal. They're a better team on the road for whatever reason. Give me the Niners. Give me the Niners. Um, Steelers-Bengals, that's a snooze fest. I don't care for that game. Although Bengals coming off a bye, they should cover the three and a half with ease. I know, again, another divisional game. You just never know. Um, Broncos hosting the Raiders. Broncos, two and a half point favorites. Anyone that bets on this game is a degenerate, an absolute degenerate. These are two teams you cannot trust. You cannot bet on them. Um, another team I do like, Commanders. Yes, they had a big win over the Eagles. Could they be in for a letdown? Possibly. Will I bet this game? No, they're on the road. Three-point favorites against the Texans, but they're getting Chase Young back. I like it. Uh, the Ravens is another one that I think is a safe enough lock. They're 13-point favorites. Baker Mayfield is now the starting quarterback of the Panthers. Does that make a difference? Um, I mean, he, he he's familiar with the Ravens from his time. Uh, with the Browns, but Wink Martindale is no longer the defensive coordinator for the Ravens, so it's a bit of a different defense. I don't know whether that's good or bad for Baker. Probably better because the Ravens defense hasn't been great, but 13 points, um, you know, that's a bet you can make and then not even have to watch the game. So, uh, yeah, a couple games I like here. Saints and Rams. Um, Saints at home, minus three. They're three-point favorites to the Rams. Stafford coming back. No Cooper Cup. Uh, another game I don't think I would ever touch. Um, Eagles on the road at Colts are six and a half point favorites. This is one of those weird ones. Um, I don't know if I could touch this either. The Colts got that Jeff Saturday magic. Eagles, could they bounce back here? Yes. This is, a, you know, that six and a half hook is looking juicy. So if you want to take the Eagles, I can't fault you. And then the other one that I'm all over is Bills minus seven and a half over the Browns. Um, I think those that's a lock. So I will probably be betting the Jets, the Bills, and the 49ers, and possibly possibly the Chiefs, too. I do like the Chiefs over the Chargers. I don't care what anyone says. Uh, the Vikings. How about this? The Vikings are underdogs at home to the Cowboys. What in God's name does Vegas know that we don't? I don't know. But this kind of seemed like what happened last night where the Packers shouldn't have been fa you know, favored. But home dogs at at eight and one, this seems like a total trap. But I can't blame anyone that takes the Vikings, myself included, if I were to take them. I'll wait and see what happens with the one o'clock games before I do that. But yeah, that's my uh, preview, NFL preview. Um, hope you enjoyed that. This episode has run a little bit long, but we're going to finish up with On This Date in Sports. So on this date, 10 years ago, November 18th, 2012, Matt Schaub threw for, remember him, threw for 527 yards and five touchdowns, including this walk-off 48-yard touchdown pass to Andre Johnson in overtime. The 527 yards tied him with Warren Moon for the second most in a game all time. 
crazy. Matt Schaub, this is the same guy that went on a streak of like four or six straight games throwing a pick six, like unbelievable up and down career. Um, had a couple really great years and then some abysmal, like really bad years. So think like Ryan Fitzpatrick or, you know, that type of quarterback. All right. That's going to wrap up this episode. Episode 192 of This Week in Sports. Enjoy this action-packed weekend, ladies and gentlemen. Stay safe. For those of you in Buffalo, I'm very sorry you just got tanked with snow. I saw footage of of uh, of um, Orchard Park area. Like, that was brutal with the snow up there in Buffalo. So, uh, you know, stay safe, hopefully. Um, you know, you have the resources and everything that you need there. Um, I'm just going to chill inside. Call of Duty has been having major server issues, which is annoying me since this update two days ago. Just ordered a new controller. Should have been here yesterday. Still waiting on it. Hopefully I get it tomorrow and the servers don't stop acting up and I can actually play some multiplayer. So, yeah. Anyway, with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm the Pody. This has been, whoops, sorry, hit that with my, uh, with my right hand. This has been episode 192 of This Week in Sports. And we are signing off. So long, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Black Friday. I will catch you next week.